Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, and I want you to turn to two different passages. We're going to immediately start on the one and then end up on the other. But Acts chapter number one, Acts chapter number one, and in addition, I also want you to find Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter one and Acts chapter 13. We're in a current Sunday school series of to the furtherance of the gospel. And we understand that in order to get the gospel out, there must be a three-pronged approach. First of all, the prong of truth, that people need truth, and they need it truth and love, but they need the truth. We also understand in order for them to receive the truth, we must have influence, and that comes with friendship, that we have to learn how to be friendly, speak the truth in love, how to work with people so that way they be willing to hear us. And then we come to the idea of the of world evangelism with the idea that it's not something that we play at, but it is something that we try to accomplish and we organize our efforts so the work can be done. So if you don't mind, notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of Acts chapter number one, the book of Acts chapter number one, and then we're going to look to Acts chapter 13 immediately. So have those two passages. And I want you to, if you don't mind, notice with me in Acts chapter one and verse eight. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Notice what it says. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice that expression, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what God had intended for us to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. Notice now, if you don't mind, as we turn to Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter number 13, we have the Apostle Paul on his first missionary journey. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in Acts chapter number 13, notice with me in verse number 44. Acts chapter 13, starting at verse number 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should be first have been spoken to you, but seeing that you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of un everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shalt be for salvation, notice this, unto the ends of the earth. So twice in the book of Acts, that we see in the book of Acts, it is the continuing work of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That both here, we could see the purposes 
They're to get the gospel, get the message of salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. To the uttermost parts of the earth. Now think about this. This is the commandment that Jesus gave. This is what Paul himself repeated. This is what God wants. He wants us to get the message of salvation to the uttermost parts of the earth. But may we pause here? Do you know that most Christians don't believe that? Most Christians do not believe that we can actually realistically take the gospel and give it to the uttermost parts of the earth. In fact, most Christians treat the Great Commission the same way that I would treat if I ran the Boston Marathon. If I ran in the Boston Marathon, I would not run the Boston Marathon to win it. I would run the Boston Marathon to say I just was part of it. I participate. I got to run in the Boston Marathon. Most Christians treat the Great Commission the same way. Ah, we can't accomplish Great Commission, but you know what? I participated in it. I, I was a part of it. When God says this is something that needs to be accomplished. This is something that needs to be done. And by the way, it can be done and it should be done. Interesting enough, Coca-Cola decided in the 1990s that they were going to make sure that every person on planet Earth had the opportunity to, to try Coca-Cola. Every person on earth. And before the turn of the century, they had accomplished their goal. Every village, every people, every tribe had the opportunity to try Coca-Cola for themselves. Well, Coca-Cola can do it. Don't we have something that is better to give to the people than a drink that will last for a moment? You understand, Coca-Cola said, here is a goal to reach all of the earth with a message of Coca-Cola. They organized their efforts and got it accomplished. Christians say, God has given us the message to tell every creature, ah, but it can't be done. And we do nothing about it. We play at it. We give a gospel here and give a gospel here. But to be honest, we honestly do not put a concerted effort. We don't put an organized effort. We don't put much effort in actually accomplishing this commandment that God has given to us. You understand that because God gave us this commandment, we as a generation will have to give an account to God of why it was not accomplished in our lifetime. When it was expected to. By the way in the book of Colossians. It infers that all of the known world. Had heard the gospel by the time. The book of Colossians was written. 30 years after Jesus Christ had ascended to heaven. The disciples got it done. Now let me define my terms. When we talk about giving the gospel out. That does not mean that everyone is going to be converted. What that does mean is that everyone's had the opportunity to hear. And that's what we're talking about. The, people's decision is not up to us. But getting the message to them is up to us. It is our responsibility under the commandment and authority of the Lord to get the gospel to every creature. It is between that person and the Lord to, for them to accept it. The results are up to God. Our responsibility is to be obedient. We know that world evangelism is also given 
to the church, the local church. God has designed the local church for the purpose of organizing our efforts. If it was a bunch of individuals going out with no organization, how are things going to get accomplished? The church, local church was designed to help organize our efforts together so we could be effective of getting the gospel out. This is what God has designed it. As we read through the New Testament, you could see that. That was the purpose of the New Testament. We're to go out and to preach the gospel to every creature. To go out so, and work with people to train them. By the way, we talked about last week the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to reach people with the gospel, and then to teach others to do the same. Think with me math, all right? You're like, I'm not supposed to be here, but this is Sunday school, so let's learn something, all right? Let's say that we have one person who is going to disciple, and for a year, 18 months, they disciple someone else. And every week, both of those people give the gospel out to one person, Okay, they give the gospel out to one person. At the end of one year, those two will take another two and begin to disciple them. The next year, those four will take another four. The next year, <laughs> we're in year three, those eight will take another eight. Year four, those 16 will take another 16. Year five, 32, take another 32. Year six, 64, take 64. Actually, I think I'm year seven. If you had 64 people who were trained and able to disciple, would that be a strong church? Absolutely. And each week they are telling one person the gospel, at the very least one person. So the next year after that, those 64 will take another 64. The next year, the 128 take 128 and go on and go on. Did you know that at the end of 30 years, everyone in the world mathematically would have had the opportunity to hear the gospel? God has designed the local church and the Great Commission for the purpose of accomplishing the Great Commission. To see it reached. Why hasn't it been done? Because we've left out. Churches haven't been discipling for many, many years and because of that, most churches aren't even soul winning anymore. We're not doing the one thing that God has given us to do. But yet, God is still expecting us to be it done. Now, we can't do anything about other churches but influence them. But for here, we just get involved. We get people involved in, involved in discipleship with the idea that eventually, as they develop the habit of obedience to Christ, they're going to take someone else and teach them. And we're teaching everyone to reach people with the gospel. As you notice the book of Acts as you travel through it. You begin with addition terms. And they were added unto them 3,000 souls. You could see this and, and such were added daily. But as you come to Acts chapter 6. The disciples were multiplied. You understand this is the miracle of multiplication. One person can only reach a certain number of people. But... A lot of people can reach a lot of people. God has designed the local church to function through the miracle of multiplication. Now with that as a backdrop, let's see what the Bible has to say about us getting salvation to the ends of the earth. Accomplishing the Great Commission as God has ordered. The very first thing I want to show you is that we must have biblical beginnings. 
We must have biblical beginnings. There's a phrase that I try to encourage people to remember. It all begins with God. Unless it begins with God, none of it works. It's all in vain. It must begin with God. So we know that world evangelism began in the heart of God. And that it's going to continue with God. We know that in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 14 it says, These all continued in one accord in prayer. Where does it begin? It begins with God. So therefore it must begin in prayer. Do you realize that we would rather work than pray? Because prayer is a lot of work. We always go to the most convenient and the least thing. Do you know that prayer is more work than actually going out and doing the work? That's why we'd rather go out and do the work. It is easier for most people to finally say, I'm going to go knock doors, than actually take the time to pray. But until we've prayed, we don't have the power of God. We're going out in our own strength. It must begin with God. In the gospel record of Luke chapter 10, ah, let's turn there. Gospel record of Luke chapter 10. The reason why I'm turning there is because I want you to mark this passage if you have never marked it before. The gospel record of Luke chapter 10. How we handle world evangelism, how we treat evangelism, will show what we believe to be true about God. Notice with me Luke chapter 10. Notice with me in verse 1. Luke 10 and verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great. But the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. If you've never marked that promise, notice this. This is the only prayer request Jesus ever gave us, by the way. Jesus, how can we pray for you today? Pray for the Lord of the harvest, that's God, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. You know, we have a labor shortage. Now, In the world, they don't have a labor shortage. Uh, They have a work shortage. That's why you have unemployment. You have more more people than you have work to do. That could be inflated a little bit with things in our world, but that's neither here nor there. But in the church, in the spiritual realm, we have more labor than we have laborers. So you want to know how most people, if they don't start with God, they start with themselves... What they do is they go on a recruiting drive. Please help us. Hey, and they'll come up with tricks and they'll come up with programs and they'll twist people's arm and they'll guilt them and they'll emotional. You understand how God says we take care of our labor shortage? We pray to him and he will send forth labors. For example, most of us have cell phones, all right? So let's say that I was going to call you. If I call you on my cell phone, the signal does not go from my cell phone to your cell phone. My cell phone will go either to a satellite or to a tower, then bounce to you. This is how it works. I pray to God and he touches someone's heart for them to go out into the field. You know how more effective it is when someone is God called rather than preacher, uh, mama 
called and daddy sent to be able to twist someone's arm. Come on, you go tell someone. Much more effective to go talk to God and say, God, you work on someone's heart. We need laborers. We need you to work on someone's heart so they are willing to go. How we handle the labor shortage shows what we believe about God. Can we trust God to keep his promise and to do his work? It all begins with God. And if people say, this is what the Lord has given me to do, therefore I don't have to beg them or keep them motivated. We just keep looking at God and do what we're told to do. It changes everything. (laughs) I've watched so many churches that are trying to do what they can to manipulate, to beg, to borrow, to whatever else to fix the holes. We're supposed to go forth to the Lord of Harvest. And let him send forth labors because I can trust him to do his work. So it all must begin with God. We must have biblical beginnings. Let us agree together in prayer and trust that God will hear and answer our prayers. We spoke about this just a moment. There are some prayers that we could go boldly because we know it's God's will. I don't have to pray wimpy. God, it would really be nice that maybe if you have someone extra, they could come and help us out. We got a lot of stuff to do. I can go boldly and say, Lord, you made me a promise that I'm supposed to go to you and pray for laborers. We need laborers. I'm trusting you to send them forth. Can I trust God to do that? Yes. Yes, we can. It all begins with God. By the way, you say, well, does that mean more people are going to join our church? No, we got laborers here. You just don't know it yet. I'm cheating. I'm praying to God. God's going to start working in your heart until one day you say, you know what? God's been working on me. And I know that I'm supposed to go out. Then you don't have any problems going out. So I'm letting you know what I'm doing. I'm praying for you. God's already got his laborers here. And then he'll add more laborers as we go. But we could trust it. We must have biblical beginnings. It all begins with God. Again, what are we talking about today? We're talking about bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. We start off by understanding that we must have biblical beginnings. It all begins with God. We also understand this. We must have biblical authority. We must have biblical authority. Remember as we hit the uh, Great Commission last week, God. Jesus told us in John chapter 20 and verse 21 that as the Lord had sent me, so send I you. We are sent out with God's authority. We must be reminded it is God that sent us out. God's the one who told us to do this. Now, if you know that God sent you to do this, you have more of a, of a purpose, maybe more of a boldness to go out and do what you were told to do. God's the one who sent us. It is his authority that we're going out by. And that's the best authority. God has sent us out with divine authority. So we understand that we must have biblical beginnings. We must have biblical authority. Something else, we must have biblical power. We must have biblical power. Back in the book of Acts chapter 1 where we had first started from. In Acts chapter 1. In verse number 8, it says, But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Notice they are witnesses only after the power of God comes. We must have God's power. And we can have Christ's power to do His work. 
Let me remind you here, we cannot do God's work. Only God can do his work. He uses us as instruments for him to get his work accomplished. That's all we are. But we're trusting that he gets his own work accomplished. Because of this, we will never get the job done of world evangelism with man-made schemes and plans. We'll never do it by man-powered things. Now, by the way, man can get some things accomplished. When man puts his mind to it, there are some fascinating things he could get accomplished. But we don't want what man can do. That will always fall short. We want what God and God only can get done. And God has already given us power. God doesn't have a shortage of power. We don't have it because we're not willing to wait and pray. Remember, we talked about that first thing with prayer. You know, we'd be more effective for praying an hour and going out for 15 minutes than praying for 30 seconds and going out for an hour. We must have God's power. This is where it begins with. Again, it's where do we trust? Where are we looking at? It all begins with God. It's God's plan. It's God's work. It's God's goal. God has to do the work. We are just instruments that he uses to get his work accomplished. It all begins with God. We must have biblical power. Now remember, we had talked about last week that miracles will happen as we go out. It's amazing to see what will happen when God's in charge of it. When God is working. How God can open the eyes. How God can do the work. How he can open the doors. It's amazing to see what God can do. My wife and I were visiting together this last week. And there was a dog who was overly friendly. And, uh, <laughs> but we were trying to witness. And the whole time, my wife's being the silent partner. She's praying as I'm trying to talk with him. And as I'm giving the gospel witness, uh, she's praying, let the dog settle down. Let the dog settle down. Let it not be. And God worked. Amen. You know, for those of you who have dogs that are hyper, the, that's a big deal. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's little things, but there's big things that happen too as we go out. God will do some amazing things. Someone who will never listen to us will all of a sudden just so attentively just listen. It's amazing to see what God will do. That's why we must have God's power. We will always fall short if we do it ourselves. But then if it's dependent on God, then the weight's lifted up on us. I don't have to fret. Well, what if they don't understand? What if they don't believe? What if it... It's not my job. <laughs> I'm just the messenger boy. I could trust God to do his own work. Which brings us to another thing. Not only do we must have biblical beginning, we have to have biblical authority. We must have biblical power. We must also have a biblical motive. A biblical motive. What is our motive? Turn with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Corinthians. Second Corinthians. Yep, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Now, the Apostle Paul, of course, was beaten. He was bruised. But yet, he was used to start 80-something churches. Some say up to 140 churches, but we'll go benefit of the doubt, 80 churches. Beaten, shipwrecked, fastings often, all kinds of things happen to the Apostle Paul. His back is so messed up that he has to have a full-time doctor traveling with him just to keep him going. His eye is 
They said that he had an eye disease and it's kind of puffed out. And because of his back thing, he's kind of hunched over. And so he says in some of his books, he's not much to look at. Knowing the next town, the Jewish people are waiting for him to try to chase him out of town. Why do you keep going, Paul? Well, what, why do you keep going? Well, he gives his answer in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and notice with me in verse number 14. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. Amen. Why do I keep going? Because I can't get away from the love of God. I think about Christ dying for all of the world and him loving me. I can't get away from that. The love of Christ constraineth us. The Moravian missionaries of yesteryear were the most powerful soul winners of during the latter Middle Ages. And the Moravian battle cry was this. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Let the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. What does that mean? Jesus died so no one would have to go to hell. Jesus died so everyone could go to heaven. And so their battle cry is they want to see Jesus get as much reward for his pain and suffering as possible. Because they love Christ. They wanted Christ to get everything that was due to him for him dying on the cross. What is our motive for going out? It should be because of the love of Christ. It's not, well, it's because I have to do it. Or if I do this, then God will do something for me. It should be out of love. Oh, he loved me so much. He died for me. I'm serving him not in order to get something from him. I'm serving because of what he's already done for me. We must have a biblical motive. A biblical motive. Notice if you don't mind, as we talk about this, how do we get the great commission accomplished? How is it to be accomplished? We start with the biblical beginnings. We must have biblical authority. We must have biblical power. We must have a biblical motive. We also must have a biblical witness. A biblical witness. The gospel record of Luke says this. That ye shall be witnesses of me. A biblical witness is someone who knows that God has transformed their life. We are just telling what God has done for us. We can go witnessing because we are a witness. The noun must uh, come before the verb. The verb must follow the noun. You must be a witness in order to witness to someone else. You are saying, this is what God did in my life. By the way, if you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, let me tell you the greatest thing that can happen today is for you to know for sure that your sins are forgiven. And I'd love to tell you what God did for me and what he could do for you to forgive you of all of your sins. We're not talking about what happened to someone else and we're not read talking about what we read in a book. We're trying to tell others what God did for me and he could do it for you. We must be a biblical witness. Lost people cannot be effective. <laughs> God could use them by accident. Let me give you an example. John and Charles Wesley were Anglican priests that were sent to the Indian tribes of the New World. But the problem was is they weren't saved. And they went and they tried to work with the Indians. Man, it doesn't work. It's not working. So they quit and they went home. Got a ship, went back to England. 
Well, so much for that. They can't be converted. Well, they couldn't be converted because they weren't converted. But on they were on the way back, they happened to be on the same boat with Moravian missionaries. And Charles and John Wesley, both of them accepted Christ as their Savior on that ship back. Failed missionaries and then they got saved. And of course, they were used as catalysts to bring um, a spiritual awakening to England and America. Only after they were saved. Before they saved it, didn't work. Why didn't it work? Because they couldn't talk about what God did for them. It's all different. We must have a biblical witness. Which now brings me to the last thing. We're talking about how do we get the, the, the Great Commission accomplished. We start off by saying it must begin with God. And we've given several other things here. The last thing here, we must have a biblical strategy. We must have a biblical strategy. We will never begin with, without a strategy. Or Sorry, we never begin with a strategy. We begin with God. What is our strategy? God. It's God then who gives us the strategy. If we begin with a strategy, then we will attempt to task, do the task without God. But if God gives us the strategy and we're being obedient to him, then guess what? He will fill in the details. We can trust him. What is our strategy? Just to go out and do what he's told us to do. And as he goes out, we try to organize our efforts as he directs to see the job done. And by the way, the job can be done. And it should be done. As God has directed us, I know one of the things that my goal is, is to get to the place where we're knocking on every door in Green Bay once a year. We already do that with Seymour, but that doesn't take long. And after we get the habit of knocking Green Bay once a year, I want to do that to Appleton. We'll knock on Green Bay and Appleton once a year. And go out. By the way, that's our Jerusalem. At the same time, we're also helping church planters who are starting churches other places. At the same time, we're sending missionaries who were expecting them to do their part in Egypt, in Kazakhstan, in Korea, and all of these other places. And as we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing, trusting God and following after him, the job can be done. It's the miracle of multiplication. By the way, isn't it a little bit hypocritical to go send missionaries to a foreign land to do something we're not willing to do here? They're expecting us to do our job while we're here while they go out and do their job over there. We all have a job to do as God has directed us. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But we have to start with God. And it can be done. Because God wants it to be done and he's empowered it to be done. We just have to be obedient to what he's given us to do. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness 
of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.